we turn our Bibles to Job, to James, uh, James chapter 5, we will read verse 13 to the end of that portion of scripture and we focus on verse 16 this afternoon. James chapter 5 and I commence reading in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any, anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, will raise him up and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. We continue our study in the letter of James and we are slowly drawing near to the conclusion of the book. And I've often said that what James is seeking to do in his letter is to show us that true faith shows itself in practical, godly living. True faith shows itself in practical, godly living. So whether you're going through trials, whether you're going through a period of joy, whatever it is that you are going through or in suffering, true faith will show itself in practical, godly living. Even in this uh, passage this afternoon, as we come, as we are drawing closer, James still takes us back to the reason for his writing. And he wants us to see that even when it comes to prayer, faith will show itself in godly living. And this afternoon, we, we will be considering verse 16. But I would like to say that the passage we've read is one that is familiar to most of us. It's one that is often quoted or referred to whenever we think of prayer. And as James is concluding his letter, he focuses on prayer, the prayer 
of faith. And I would like us to, from the onset, to have in our minds that prayer is a life of a Christian. The Christian life is characterized by prayer. Every day, we are mindful of particular needs that we feel burdened uh, to take before the Lord in prayer. Or we go through life and there are certain burdens that are brought before us that makes us have this burden to take them before the Lord in prayer. And I'm convinced that an average Christian believes in prayer. An average Christians, a Christian believe, believes in prayer and even engages in prayer. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is that do we pray as we should? Are we earnest in prayer? Or is our prayer time more of a habit than a genuine burden comforted by faith and expectation from the Lord? Or are we individuals that, that our prayers are centered around certain events in the day? And you know those events, huh? breakfast, lunch, and supper. Prayer is without question the greatest resource any believer has. And yet it is often overlooked or neglected. And as we go through verse 16, we need to remind ourselves that we need to be a people of prayer. Last Lord's Day, we had considered verse 13 through to verse 15, and there we, we saw the instructions in prayer. We saw prayers of afflictions, adorations, and then we saw prayers of intercessions. And so this afternoon, as we look at investment in prayer, I would like us to open up verse 16, and then we will draw lessons for ourselves this afternoon. The first thing I'd like us to see is this. Investment in prayer involves confession. Investment in prayer involves confession. And this um, must be obvious from the first part of verse 16. Verse 16a. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And from the onset, as James is talking about this issue of investment in prayer, as I'm calling it, he wants us to see that this involves confession of sins to one another. This is a duty of mutual confession to one another. 
And remember, the context is about prayer. Even in this verse, when he talks about confession, he's still addressing the aspect, the issue of prayer. And the word therefore, in verse 16, establishes the thought connection with the preceding verses. And in view of the efficacy of intercessory prayer, uh, in circumstances just described in verse 15, James now appeals for its wider use. And, and the imperative, confess your sins to one another, stresses a, a mutual activity where the members of the body of Christ are equal. They, they regard one another as brothers in the Lord. The activity there of confessing sins to one another calls for mutual brotherly love and not some official or priestly function. Now, James' words offer no valid basis for the practice of confessing your sins to a priest. It's, it's, it's amazing that when you read uh, different uh, authors on, on this verse, that there are some who in this verse understand that James is saying that you must confess your sins to a priest or some official recognized uh, authority in the church. And this verse has brought about debates, disagreements for centuries. And, and many support priestly confessions based upon this verse. They say, look, James is saying there, confess your sin to, to one another. And therefore, you, you, you must go confess your sins to either a priest or you must, before you, be, you, you, are, you are become a Christian, you must confess all your sins that you've ever committed or you can remember before the church. But it is interesting that we find no such instructions in any of the other New Testament epistles. There is no such instructions that says you must confess your sins to a priest or some person between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no such support for any letters that we have in the New Testament. And, and I'm convinced that a right understanding of what James is saying, a proper understanding of this verse or this passage shows us that James's concern is not promoting confessing sins to priests or to those who are in some official capacity in the church, but rather that in the body of Christ, one of the things that must be true is that we'll, there'll be this mutual confession of sins if we've wronged one another, if we've sinned against one another, 
And this is in line with what the Lord Jesus Christ taught in Matthew 18 on how to go about dealing with issues of sin or wrongdoing against one another in the church. But also James is very clear that we have one high priest seated at the right hand of God. The believers have a mediator, an intercessor in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, there is no need to seek for forgiveness from or offer confession to a priest down here on earth. So what James means there then is that the imperative confess your sins to one another stresses a mutual activity, as I said, where members regard one another as belonging to the same body and therefore seeing the need to be at peace with one another. And where there is any sin committed against one another, there is need to confess to one another. Now the word confess in our, in, in our text there comes from a, 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 a compound Greek word which literally means to agree with someone or to agree with someone else in the innermost recesses of one's soul and to speak out publicly about it. To agree with someone, to agree with someone else in the innermost recesses of one's soul and to speak out publicly about it. Therefore, it means that in confessing sin to one another, we agree to identify the sin by its true name and we admit that sin. It conveys the thought of an open, frank, and full confession to one another. And so what James is saying, we confess private sins privately to one another, to those whom our sins would have offended. We confess public sins to the public, especially to those who have been offended, the many who have been offended by our sins. And so when James says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, James calls for a confession of specific sins, not just a general confession of personal sinfulness, no. He calls that we need to confess of specific sins. If we've committed those sins, we must ensure that we confess of those sins, those specific sins that we have confessed, and not necessarily confessing our sins in a general way. Because unconfessed sins have an up, upward and outward impact on the life 
of the believer. Unconfessed sin or unconfessed sins, they have this upward but also outward impact upon the life of the believer. If we've not confessed our sins before God, our relationship with God begins to be affected. And because that relationship with God is being affected, it will also affect our outward relationship with those around us. And therefore, such sins block the pathway of prayer to God. It hinders interpersonal relationships in the church. Confession of sin is a Christian duty, but at the same time, it's a powerful deterrent to sin. Therefore, if we are going to be a people characterized as a people of prayer, we must ensure that our relationship with God is healthy. Then our relationship with those around us is healthy. That when the Spirit of God reveals within your innermost being something that needs attention, a sin that you committed against another person, or the sin that someone else has committed and God the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance or brings it to bear upon you, ensure that it's dealt with before you come to God in prayer. We are to acknowledge what the Lord is doing in us, revealing his sins, revealing our sins rather, and therefore his probings that we must do something about that sin. And the reason is important because James is well aware that sin is most dangerous to a lonely believer. Sin is most dangerous to a lonely believer. Sin seeks to remain private and secret. But God warns and wants it to be exposed, dealt with within the loving fellowship of other believers. Because when you sin and you are not willing to confess your sins, especially if it's a sin to your fellow believers, you begin to isolate yourselves from them. And you become vulnerable. You become an easy target of the evil one. And because you are vulnerable, you, you want your sins to remain private. And because you want your sins to remain private, you continue to be dragged in the mud and the pool of sin. you are disguising or covering yourself in the fact that there's no one who's aware of my sins. And yet each day that passes, you know that that sin is dragging you 
further and further and further away from God. That means when you come before God, you find it hard to call upon this God because there is sin brewing inside of you. And therefore, James calls or called for mutual honesty and mutual confession. Maintaining an open, sharing, and praying relationships with other Christians in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we confess our sins one to another, we maintain this open, sharing and praying relationships with other believers, with other Christians. And it will help us as Christians from going further into sin. And therefore, he says, confess your sins one with another. Such relationships help give spiritual strength and it provides victory that is us in Christ over sin. But also such relationships provide a, a godly environment a healthy environment where we recognize that yes, we've sinned against one another, we've seek forgiveness of each other, and when we come before God, we are conscious that we are coming before a holy God who sees our hearts and our minds, and he knows that there's nothing in me that I have against my brother and my sister, and I call upon this God he will hear my prayers as they are being offered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hearts must be free of sin and in complete agreement with God the Holy Spirit if we are to expect our prayers to be effective when we pray. Therefore, we must confess to one and our sins one to the other. But the second thing we see about this investment in prayer is that it doesn't just involve confession, but it also involves cooperation. It involves cooperation. And notice the, half, the second half of verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And pray for one another that you may be healed. This mutual confession that James spoke about in the first part of verse 16 must culminate in consent intercession 
for one another. And James is saying, without this subsequent intercession, confessions may be harmful. But where, but when we have secured faithful prayer support from tested spiritual brethren, this confession can be of great value in feathering victory over sin. It can be great value in our spiritual maturity. The mutual confession gives stimulus and direction to mutual intercession. And then she says, pray for one another that you may be healed. And the concern that James has is that where sin abounds, concern for one another is absent. And therefore, praying for one another is non-starter. But when there is confession of sin, there is this mutual intercession. There is this bond that, that exists and therefore you uphold one another before the throne of grace. And James has a very interesting phrase there, that pray for one another that you may be healed. And he states the purpose, that the purpose behind confession and mutual intercession is that believers may be healed. Now, the word that James uses there, uh, to be healed, it's not always a reference to heal, physical healing. It's not always the reference to physical healing. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, I'll give you these verses. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15. John chapter 20, rather John chapter 12 and verse 40. And then Acts chapter 28 and verse 27, you, you find that in, the, in that portion of scripture, the author would use the word to heal. Let me just read one portion from John. John chapter 12 and verse 40. In fact, if you begin from verse 39, he says, Therefore they could not believe for again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I, will, I would heal them. And I would heal them. Now the word heal there in John 12, verse 40, Matthew 13, and verse 15, 
and also in Acts chapter 28 and verse 27, it symbolizes God's with, withholding or God withheld forgiveness of Israel's sins. So there when it says, and you he will heal them, he's not necessarily talking about the physical healing. He's basically talking about spiritual healing. And John, Matthew, and even Acts, Luke, are saying the word heal, laomai, in Greek, is basically not necessarily a reference to sickness or physical healing, but it's used to symbolize this spiritual healing that can only come about if there is forgiveness from God. The author of the letter of Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 12, Verse 13, verse 12 and 13. Again, that's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 13, verse 12 and 13. Again, the author uses it symbolically to speak of spiritual restoration. When you read in Hebrews and you see that word healing or healed, again, it's not a reference to physical healing, but it's talking about spiritual restoration that comes about with the confession of sin or having sins forgiven. And then in, in Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, Peter used the word healing to describe the healing from sin which Christ purchased for believers on the cross. And you see that that's the one that is often quoted from Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. But when you look at the context, Peter is talking about this healing that comes having your sins forgiven. And it's the same word that is used here in, in the book of James. And James uses it in reference to God's forgiveness, making the repentant believer spiritually again. And you see, this is, this is consistent with the way he uses it. Even when he gets to the end of, of his letter and he says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Again, he's speaking of this, this spiritual healing that comes when sin is forgiven. Because sin is oftentimes referred to as sickness. It comes upon you, grips you, paralyzes you, that in as far as your relationship with God is concerned, you cannot do anything or respond to this God until God, by the power of His Spirit, through his son Jesus Christ, brings you to see your sins. And as you repent of your sins before him, and God forgives you of your sin, he restores you in, his, in your walk with him. You are spiritually restored. So this healing is linked to confessing of sins. 
And even the sickness that he talked about in verse 15, again, you could see that looking at the passage, he links it with sin, that there is sin that comes about, there is sickness rather, that comes about because of sin. Not all sicknesses, but they are sicknesses that are linked because of someone's sins. And here, James is saying, when you confess your sins, there is healing that comes about. And when we pray for one another, there is healing that comes about. This spiritual restoration. And James emphasizes the need and, the, and benefit of intercessory prayer. We are admonished to pray for one another, taking the needs and the requests of one another before God with them and for them. We are admonished to hear the prayers of those around us, those who belong to the same body, the body of Christ, and we are to uphold them before the throne of God. That if it's to do that, we're praying that the Lord forgives them of the sin, we are asking God to show the person, the individuals, the sins they've committed against God, so that when God hears our prayers and the individual respond, rather repents, God himself brings about this spiritual restoration. And this, brethren, is a challenge. The challenge is for us to labor together in prayer. But it's also one of the greatest benefits of being, of being part of the body of Christ. Where you know that I can depend on my brothers and sisters to uphold me before God in prayer. It's one of the joys to know that I belong to a people. Yes, I know I'm loved, but I know that when I call upon them, they will uphold me before the throne of grace and pray for me. But it's also a challenge. A challenge to labor together in prayer. When we face situations when prayer is desperately needed, do you find it easy to share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord? I know we probably have been in situations where we desperately needed prayers, the prayers of saints. But it's also comforting to know that when I find myself in a desperate situation or when I find myself in a situation where 
I don't know what to do. I can count on the family of God. But the sad reality is this. We don't pray as we should. We struggle to pray. It's work. And sometimes the results are not immediate. But here we see that part of the investment in prayer is cooperation. We co cooperate with one another. We pray for one another. We seek the Lord's face together. We cry out with one voice for specific issues and we pray and plead with the Lord. And he hears. But we must keep our lives free of sin so that when we pray, there's no sin that we are entertaining. But also may I encourage all of us that as the year comes to an end and we're hopefully making plans or resolutions or whatever you call them for the following year, that one of the things you want to do is to be more prayerful. That the Lord will give you a burden to pray. That come the end of 2024, if the Lord tarries, you can say to yourself, at least I have prayed for each of my brothers and sisters in the Lord at KBC at least twice. And the third thing we see as investment in prayer is that it involves commitment. It involves commitment. And that's the last part of verse 16. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, James adds this by way of encouragement. In verse 13, we are reminded of the importance of prayer in our Christian lives in general. And then in verse 13, or rather 14 and 15, we are reminded of repentance in, in particular sins. And now here in verse 16, we see that we have a role to play in this. Whether it's confession, confessing to one another or praying for one another. But in each of those cases, we must be committed to pray. We must be a people who pray. We need to realize and remember 
that praying is not merely a kind gesture that we do for our brothers and sisters. Prayer makes all the difference. And here we are told the prayers of the righteous has great power as it's working. Or other versions will say the prayers of the righteous availeth much. And when James in verse 16 uses the word prayer, it is distinguished from the word prayer used in verse 15. In verse 15, the word prayer there, James has in mind addressing God in prayer, but it includes all types of prayer. And now in verse 16, the word prayer there, James limits it to, limits it rather to petitionary prayer. It's not just prayers in general, but this is petitionary prayer. A petition for what is desired. And the petition is left undefined. It centers on something personally desired. And that's why he says the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. This simple statement reveals much. And James is encouraging us that this type of prayer is a prayer that calls for devotion. It's not just devotion or being devoted in general or in a generic sense, but it is prayer for specific petitions that you bring before God. And as you bring these petitions, there is commitment to praying for that particular thing until God himself answers it according to his will. It is a prayer or prayers that do not seek results or answers in general, but specific. The prayer spoken of here, in our context there, that the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. It is prayers that cause for specific attention, specific prayer that seeks specific answer or result. James is saying, the need is well known by the person praying. And since the person praying has well understood the need, he expresses it to God, fully believing and expecting the Lord to move in that particular situation and in a particular way. The prayer offered James says, about a righteous man. The nature of the desire is only limited by the fact that the petitioner is a righteous man. And in this 
the word righteous may be taken to, uh, to mean one who has confessed his sins before God and by faith stands acquitted before God and therefore is living in his life in accordance with God's revealed word or will, the Bible. And the emphasis there is the need for upright living and unhindered fellowship with God. That's the emphasis, upright living and unhindered fellowship with God. And living faith manifests itself in godly living. Now, brethren, you can do a lot. You can do a lot of things with sin in your life. But prayer is not one of them. Let me say that again. You can do a lot of things with sin in your life, but prayer is not one of them. You can lead a study, and powerfully so. You can even stand to open up the scriptures. You can even stand to lead in worship, come to church. But if you are going to pray, the sin in you, the sin you are entertaining, that besetting sin will keep you away from prayer. Because prayer is talking to God. And when you come conscious that you are coming before a holy God, your sin will be right before you. You can't pretend before God. If you are going to pray before God, God himself will bring to remembrance your sins. Until you deal with them, you will fail to pray. Our hearts must be right before God. If we're going to bring petitions before him, and that's why James says the power, the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. There's this energy in prayer, this earnestness, this passion, this commitment. It is not prayers that are offered in a fervorous way. It's not prayer that are offered in a casual way. No, James is saying this prayer, there's great passion, great desire. You desire to see God move in a particular way. And the promise is that those whose hearts are in tune with God, committed to him in prayer, will be effective when they pray. And this verse speaks of strength 
ability and power. It reveals the value of prayer. I'm sure we've heard of the saying that when such a person prays, it's like, it's like they get hold of heaven. You can feel it. You can feel this power, this strength. And it's not so much that there's power in the words that are being uttered, but this person has no bitterness before God. He's not entertaining any sins. And as he comes before God in sincerity of hearts, and he calls upon his Father who sees the heart and the mind, this God delights to respond to such a one. And as God the Holy Spirit, who's not grieved by any sin in us, brings these words and take them to the throne of, his, of the grace of our, of our God. And you can feel the power of the prayers of the righteous. How can we be effective in prayer? How can our prayers become effective? Let me submit that you cannot pray in ignorance to biblical truths and pray effectively. If you are ignorant of the scriptures, you will not pray effectively. And that's why the apostles in Acts 6, they said they would devote themselves to prayer and the word. The two go together. As you study God's revealed word, the Bible, then you speak to God his words in prayer. In the Bible, God speaks to us. In prayer, we speak to God. And you cannot pray in ignorance to biblical truths. But we must pray with specific things, specific people, with specific desired results in mind for the glory of God. What is it that you want to ask from God? Devote yourself to that particular issue and petition it before God. But we must also pray in faith, confident that the God of heaven not only hears prayers, but he also answers prayers. We must pray in confidence and in faith. Prayer is strong because God himself energizes and makes prayers effective. He makes the prayers of one who is living right with him effective. You cannot have power in prayer if you have no righteousness in your life. You cannot have power in prayer if there is no righteousness in life. 
if you are living right by his grace, you have the opportunity, a huge opportunity, to make a huge difference in the lives of others, especially the lives of God's people. As you commit yourself to pray for God's people, as you commit yourself to live right with God, God is pleased with such a life. But a life that is not right with God, prayers are simply a mockery before God. It is clear that God desires that we should pray. It is clear that we desire to pray. But we must commit ourselves to living practical godly lives and commit ourselves to pray. And when we pray, we must always be mindful of the sovereignty of God. He answers prayers according to his wills, to his will. He will take us in moments where even when we pray, we we'll feel like he's not answering our prayers. We must still commit ourselves to pray. And there will be other times when we pray, he opens the floodgates of heaven and answers our prayers. It is the same God in the high and the valleys of our lives. He still hears prayers. But his desire is that we are not just asking from him as if he's, he's a machine or he's an ATM to, machine to, to simply give us that which we desire, but rather he desires that we live a life that is pleasing in his sight. The Lord Jesus Christ is our greatest example. In all he did, his goal was to please his Father. And when he prayed, his Father heard him and you say, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And all who are in Christ must emulate the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk right before God, to please God, and to pray like our Savior did. And may God help us that we'll be a people that will invest ourselves in prayer that we'll confess our sins to one another. We will cooperate with one another by praying for one another, and we'll commit ourselves to praying for one another. Amen.